Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. Today's episode is episode 49, and we are continuing a conversation that we began on episode 47, which is out currently right now while we're recording. And that episode is called Why You Need to Feel to Heal. In that episode, we really opened a space for normalizing feeling our feelings, understanding and highlighting the value and importance also really the necessity of feeling our feelings in order to heal. And as always, we are getting your DMs and your feedback and your YouTube comments and questions in response to that episode that is out right now. And one that we have seen recurring on a couple different platforms is once I have all of these feelings and emotions and I have the awareness that I'm feeling them, how do I release them? Uh, I think Jeremy on YouTube quoted either Nicole or I, someone in the episode saying, uh, you know, it's learning the practice of being able to release those sensations in the moment. And they were asking for specifics of what does that look like? How do we actually release an emotion and what is that practice like? So we've started the conversation about the importance of having awareness of our feelings, which is just the first stage of witnessing actually feeling them. And now we're going to go into the next step of now that we are aware of them and we're feeling them, what do we do with them? How do we release them? How do we move them? So similarly to how we started that episode, for those of you who didn't tune in, I think it's really helpful to begin this conversation with locating feelings or emotions in our body. Like you said, there are sensations that happen um, they often map on to changes in our hormones or our neurotransmitters. These might be words that listeners might have heard, dopamine, serotonin, right? These chemicals in our body that actually shift or translate into how we feel or our mood. Do we feel high, energetic, happy, joyful? Do we feel low, depressed, sluggish? Do we feel anxious, on edge, and then everything in between? So it's important, in my opinion, to start the conversation with locating those emotions or those feelings in our body. Because when we're talking about processing then and releasing the feelings, the conversation that we're going to have today is going to include that body and those different changes that happen when we're experiencing an emotion. When you start taking that moment or moments to drop in and survey your body, actually tune into how you physically feel, and then can assign maybe a label or a name to your emotion that'll help give you language and articulation to be able to understand what it is that you're experiencing instead of living really at the grip and hold of our emotion, where if I feel anger, then anger becomes me entirely. Whereas for me, my palms will get really sweaty. My heart will start to beat really fast. My face will get really flushed. I know that for me, those are the sensations that come with anger. When I feel that and know that there is anger there, I then have an understanding or at least a peeled back view to say, okay, here's those physical sensations. There's an emotion attached to it. That emotion is anger. Now I get to choose what I do with that anger, how I respond and how I choose to release that emotion, which we'll continue to get into in this episode. So like you just were describing really beautifully, Jenna, right? The constriction in our muscles, the tension. So if we really want to simplify it, um, emotions interact with our body and they affect major systems. One of them being our muscles, 
Are they tense? Are they ready for action to run away from the threat at hand or whatever is causing us upset? Or are they relaxed? Um, are they rested feeling? Our energy level is another, our energy flow is another indicator. Do we have access to energy? Do we feel alive, awake, or again, are we on that spectrum of feeling sluggish, depleted, exhausted? And then of course our mood, right? How is those changes in our body mapping on to our mood? Are we feeling joyful? Are we feeling connected? Or again, are we feeling sad and angry? And then understanding that all of these changes to our breath, to our muscles happen in a spectrum. We could be feeling more constricted or more tense in some emotional experiences than in others. So really simply, again, what we're trying to do is develop that version of a body or a somatic language where we can attune to those different shifts and changes that are actually happening to our body in those major system areas when we're experiencing an emotion. And reality is all of the emotions that we have experienced, whether it's something we have pushed down since childhood, fear, anger, shame that maybe we never felt or you know, I grew up specifically in an environment where there was no one there to attune to my emotions. Anger was met with anger. Fear went unacknowledged or was silenced. There was shame to go around for everyone in my family. It makes a lot of sense that naturally over time, how I learned to cope with that was to numb myself, to push it down, to avoid it. And I think back now, I'm 35 and you know, 17, 18, 19 into my 20s, I spent a lot of years self-harming and I have a lot of scars that I still carry with me on my arm. And I always look in reflection at that period of time. And the first ping that keeps coming up is that, you know, when I say, why did, why did you do that, Jenna? Why did you harm yourself? Why did you hurt so badly like that? And the message that continues to surface was that, it was a way for me to cry for help. It was an act that expressed something outward that I didn't have the language for. I had numbed myself for so long and dissociated for so long from all of this pain and all of these feelings that that sort of harm was the only way I could inflict some sort of feeling again or create an outward expression for help or find a way to release it. And I share that specifically because I saw another person's comment on the YouTube channel for that last episode, episode 47 of why you need to feel to heal. And this is another common question that I've, I've seen wondering how to begin feeling these sensations or let alone naming them and embodying them when you're so numb and you're so detached and it feels like there's no feeling there. So for anyone who is resonating with that, I also was right in your shoes at one point in time. And this is where the integration of allowing myself to begin to feel again, I had pushed off for so many years because it felt like a dam was going to be lifted and all of this water of emotion was going to come rushing down, which in a lot of ways is what happened. There was a lot of pain to be felt that was really overwhelming to my system and felt very immense. And it did break me down to my knees. It did have me, you know, sobbing and really needing to rely on my breath just to what felt like just to make it through the moments and through the day. So 
have a lot of compassion and a lot of grace for yourself and also understand that that is completely normal and also something to be extremely expected if you have gone for so many years or maybe even decades not allowing yourself to feel your feelings. I really appreciate you sharing all of that, Jenna, and right, bringing up the the aspect or the process of that disconnection. And for those of you who've listened to me speak, know that I reference it as living on my spaceship. Again, based in my childhood, very overwhelming experiences, very similarly not having emotional support, I checked out. And I'm bringing this up here because that's checking out or shutting down and then feeling numb, unable to actually feel or connect with those emotions in our body is actually a byproduct of our nervous system. It's a state of nervous system, literal shutdown. Um, those of you who have ever heard of or have heard referenced our reptilian brain probably heard or are, are aware that when reptiles or other animals um, are under extreme threat and can't, can't escape, can't fight or flee the situation, what happens is they play dead. Their body goes into this literal stage of shutdown that mimics death. Breathing gets really shallow. Um, they don't move the person or the entity or the animal is immobile. Breathing gets really shallow. All of the systems slow down and the state of consciousness is actually away somewhere else. It's like a twilight. It's a disconnection. And I'm highlighting that because there are interventions or there are tools or choices, breath being one of them, where we can can and need to actually stimulate our body, our nervous system. We need to bring it out of, and I'm really simplifying, what I'm simplifying here is polyvagal theory. We need to bring it out of that shutdown state and actually stimulate it through vigorous breathing, through vigorous movement, through jumping jacks, through putting my hand or my face in cold water or standing outside if we happen to live in a climate that's cold. We actually physically need that stimulation to wake up our nervous system. So if anyone out there is like myself and like Jenna, you're here sharing that it just feels impossible to feel, chances are because your nervous system actually has shut your system down and you actually can't feel until, of course, again, you stimulate your body, stimulate your nervous system and wake that connection back up. Cold therapy is one of my favorites for that. We are lucky enough to have a cold plunge here that, for those of you who don't know, is literally like a bathtub that has 50 degree water and it has a temperature control and it's you can fully immerse yourself into freezing water. Before I had a cold plunge, I would take cold showers or I would fill a bathtub. Literally, I'd go to the store, get a couple bags of ice, fill it with cold water and dump in bags of ice. And the first time I remember doing or practicing cold therapy for myself was maybe five years ago when I first began really digging in the trenches, as I call it, this healing journey of mine and ripping open all these scars and wounds to actually heal from the inside out. I'm sharing this because my experience immersing myself into that cold, icy water, for the first time, I felt and noticed my brain go silent. Everything was peaceful. Everything was quiet. And right in that moment for me, literally, it clicked, oh my gosh, my entire life has been so stimulating, so chaotic, so noisy. So go, 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 go. When something's really intense, just push it down and keep going. That had become my norm. So that chaos and that loudness 
had really become my constant silence. Now, it took going into a cold plunge, completely shocking my nervous system, where I had to, you know, actually get in tune with my breath, learn how to start using my breath and my teeth shattering in that moment from shivering and remind myself, okay, I'm okay. I've got this body. Like, just breathe. We can ease into this. You're okay. We're good. And I got to bring myself back to stable breathing and a stable baseline. I was very present to everything that I was feeling in my body. And for the very first time, and as per usual, you're going to hear from me a completely different experience than you had, Jenna, um, with the cold in particular. Um, as long as I can remember, I found I'm a cold human, meaning I don't tolerate cold well. At one point, I was actually diagnosed with Raynaud's, which is a blood circulation in your fingers and toes. My hands were always, I mean, you can even speak to that. When I touch you sometimes, even now, I have very, very cold hands. I make or take them off. They're freezing. They're very cold. Um, I went to school in Ithaca, New York, which for those of you who live out of the States, and it's in upstate New York, and it's cold. It's where Jenna's from. I don't know how she lived there for so <laughs> many years. Probably why I embrace the cold. I'm resilient from it So now. saying all that to say cold is nothing that I dove into, haha, pun intended, um, willingly. And when I heard about cold therapy and I tried it, um, for me, it began standing outside in Philadelphia in the winter without a coat on. Um, my mind didn't go silent at all. I actually heard in my mind all of the million reasons why I needed to get the hell out of that cold right now. And I'm sharing that because that's a really prime illustration of the activation of a nervous system state of a threat-based one. And again, when we're in that shutdown mode with symptoms that mimic depression, low mood, low motivation, I actually can't get up. I have no feelings or I'm anhedonic, it's called in the field. I'm shut down when my nervous system is now activated by the threat of the very cold water or weather, whatever it might be, what I'm experiencing and maybe my heart rate is beginning to raise is now shifting from that shutdown state to the sympathetic state, to actually activating my nervous system like the way I was describing. So I avoided the cold for a very long time, but the way I began to stimulate my nervous system, understanding that I was in that state of shutdown was through vigorous breathing. And I met the Wim Hof method, if anyone is familiar, um, Wim Hof has a protocol breathing of stimulating breaths that do the same thing with your nervous system. So anyone who's cold averse out there um, mm -hmm. wants to give a Google for Wim Hof. Again, I found that very, very beneficial and I did it every day. And the byproduct of that was gradually over time bringing myself out of those that state of shutdown and all of the symptoms for me, which came along with it, and actually learning how to reconnect with my body so that then I could feel other sensations that were happening. I want to highlight and keep going with that last piece you just said about reconnecting with your body. And I'm grateful you shared Wim Hof. I actually just did a 10-minute whim video this morning doing breathing outside in the sunlight. So I was checking two off my boxes. <laughs> um, that, but for anyone who is curious about Wim Hof or any breathing exercises, I mean, there are hundreds and thousands of different ways um, to do breathing exercises, though the one we're referencing particularly, there's a 10-minute, I think 10 to 12-minute video from Wim Hof on YouTube. If you do 
just type in Wim Hof breathing exercise. Um, it's about a 10 minute short video that we do pretty consistently, I think almost every morning here, um, and is really just helpful to ground and to regulate. And more so, it's helpful to just integrate it as a consistent practice where it then just becomes a part of your day. Why is that important? Because in the moments that you're activated, or maybe you're the opposite of activated, you're so numb and there's no feeling there, we can't expect ourselves in the moments that we're really needing these coping mechanisms to come in for them to be readily available to us if we have spent no time outside of that activation practicing and integrating them and giving our body and our minds the memory of them. So reconnecting with your body consistently outside of the any upset or emotional cathartic release or feeling your feelings, there has to be a relationship that you have with yourself first, with your actual physical body so that you can even acknowledge that there are physical sensations and emotions that run through your body. And those sensations that run through your body don't just, you know, sit there and then someday poof, leave. They stay in your body until they are actually moved and released, like a cathartic release. When you see someone maybe start laughing hysterically or crying hysterically, and you see this outward emotion just pouring out. That's a cathartic release. It's an emotional expression. That sensation actually lives in your physical body, like in your muscles, in your tissues, in your organs. Over time, if that's not released and just stays within, it does start to become toxic. It starts to create a lot of stress and inflammation and harm in our bodies. So there really is so much physical value in our well-being and our physical health to acknowledge that we have these feelings, to witness ourselves having the physical sensations, maybe start to name them and actually move ourselves into a release of them, actual actions. I'm really happy that you're bringing up kind of the bottled up sensations, the energy, the stress, again, that gets stuck in our body to now shift us from the shutdown end of the spectrum to the overstimulated, right? When I'm stuck in that fight or fight response, when my heart is always pounding out of my chest, I'm always feeling on edge or waiting for the next shoe to drop. If in our bodies, those sensations are present, now we want to, similar to what cold plunge was doing for you, we can make choices to bring our nervous system back into calm, back into peace, whether it's slow, gentle movements. Yin yoga is a really great go-to practice for me that stimulates that parasympathetic nervous system. That's what we're talking about doing here now to bring us from activate it to peace, to calm. So we have slow, gentle movements. We have deep belly breathing. So just like we can stimulate our body with our breath, we can slow our body down. We can shift us into that parasympathetic state, allowing our body to bring peace into the moment. So again, if you're someone who experiences the symptoms of anxiety, I had an underlying residual low grade level of anxiety for as long as I can remember. And that's one of the factors that contribute it to my shutdown. We can only, our bodies can only take so much fight or flight, so much stress before like the lizard, we play dead. 
Um, so the underlying backdrop of anxiety, right, that agitation, all of that energy stored up needs to be released. And again, we can make the choices just like you beautifully spoke earlier, not just in the moments when we need to calm down throughout the day, building that foundation of calm so that we can then access those tools to actually go from overstimulate it back into a peace, calm state. And this doesn't mean that we're suggesting you expect yourself to immediately now in a moment of activation, have access to bringing your heart back down. Like, yes, we are offering tools though, as we've mentioned before, the work is done before and after. So say you're at work and there's a conflict at work and you're really frustrated with this person. You can see, you can, you know, start to feel it in your body. You're getting really frustrated. You're getting really angry. Now, you're responsible for your own response in that moment. However you choose to respond, however you choose to manage yourself or not manage yourself is up to you. Though most of us here want to respond lovingly to the people around us, respond compassionately to the people around us, or at the very least, we don't want to fly off the rails (laughs) in response to an issue at work, right? Well, it doesn't mean that just because you managed yourself well in that situation and you didn't fly off the rails or go screaming and you breathed through it, that doesn't mean that that frustration or anger about whatever the conflict was suddenly just dissipates and disappears. You still have that. That was still very real for you. So in a situation like that, at the end of the day, it's going to be really important for you to then Find time that is actually workable and responsible for you to be with you, yourself, your mind, and your physical self, and actually process the anger or frustration or whatever the feeling was in that conflict. So what's a way of doing that? Maybe it's actually a physical release. Maybe you need to go throw a ball around a little bit or punch a pillow or scream into a pillow. A really great one that is a very therapeutic practice is journaling or writing. The act of writing or journaling itself, when done authentically and embodied, where you're genuinely present with yourself and whatever you're feeling and writing that out, that is a release in itself. It also will help you learn a lot about yourself. It can teach you a lot about yourself while you're also learning how to name and release the things that you are feeling. I'm really happy you're you're touching on, you know, frustration or what at its extreme, what I will call, you know, anger or, you know, that kind of eruption feeling that I know I can absolutely resonate with. Um, and I have, I was actually talking to my sister recently of, you're talking about our hair, um, and long story short, I have hair that gets knotty quite often. And there was always a point of conflict between my mom and I when I was very little. because my mom was the person who had very long hair and she would brush and do my hair every day. And her brushing my hair would erupt into World War V in, in my home because she would hurt me. And in those moments, I have memories of literally screaming at the top of my lungs. I hate you. This intense anger coming out. And after those moments, in terms of memories of anger in my life, I don't, outside of explosive moments, which I've definitely talked about and probably will continue to talk about on here, I didn't know how to regulate or to release my anger. I had two options, stuff it down until it got to the point of erupting and I couldn't control it. And I'm screaming, I hate you at my mom or my other loved ones. And for me, anger is still one of those really tricky emotions. And it's so 
visceral. It literally feels like I'm a boiling pot and I'm even gripping my, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, I'm even clenching my fist right now because I can almost feel it raging the blood through my body when I'm feeling angry. So I've come to learn that in those moments, I need some discharge. Even if I'm able to breathe calmly through whatever situation is activating that deep feeling, I need something physical to happen next. I need to go on a brisk walk. I need to jump up and down, or I need to do something physical with my body to discharge it. And I really want to highlight the difference in terms of doing something physical in my body, taking that brisk walk around my neighborhood and comparing that to taking a brisk walk around my neighborhood while I'm rehearsing and rehashing why I'm angry in my head. And those are going to be completely different experiences. If I'm grounding myself in the sensations of my anger and it's erupting through my veins and I'm allowing my focus to be on my body, chances are after that walk, I might feel calmer. I might have actually released that emotion. That's going to look and feel very different than if I'm taking that same brisk walk and I'm rehashing right the issue or the problem at hand chances are I'm probably going to come back home, maybe even more explosive or more eruptive in that moment. So for me, some a practice like journaling or something kind of sitting and calm and making sense of emotions, for me, that's an important part of my self-awareness, my understanding and my processing, but it needs to come after I've put some practice of that emotional discharge or else someone down the line in my day is going to probably be on the other end of that I hate you based eruption. And Nicole's able to share that because she's learned herself and she continues to learn herself on a daily basis. So for you, it may be the same. It may be that, you know, you need to go and you need to move, or it may be that actually sitting in that silence with writing is the thing that you need in that moment. It also could be very true that what you need is going to, it actually is going to vary <laughs> likely all throughout the day and day to day. Now, how are you going to know what is best for you? What practice you need for you in different situations? You're going to learn that by actually doing, by actually trying, by actually embodying the tools and practices that we're talking about, or maybe coming up with your own having that self-witnessing of feeling that physical sensation, really surveying your body. I like to close my eyes and just scan my body from head to toe and search for different feelings and sensations, maybe where it does feel really tense or constricted or is aching. And I lean into that and I start to get curious about what that sensation could be telling me what emotion is attached to that sensation. Once I can name or practice naming, maybe I try on a few different emotions, then I can choose how I want to release that. For me, particularly when I feel this like a heaviness in my heart or this pit in my stomach, which has been happening on a daily basis, especially since my brother passed in November. And that feeling for me sometimes needs movement. Sometimes I just need to go walk it off. A lot of the time that feeling for me is outwardly expressed when I go into nature, I go off on my own and I allow myself to breathe or I hold my heart or I allow that breathing to turn into an organic cathartic release that is sobbing or tears. And I allow that emotion to come outward and just literally I sort of surrender to my body and just let it pour out because I know that that grief 
needs somewhere to go. Now, on the contrary, if it's a moment where I'm livid and angry or feel like screaming and I can feel that intensity in my body, my heart tends to beat really fast and I get really hot, I know that I need to like walk out the door and I need to go for a walk or I need to go hit the tennis ball or I need to go for a run or do a workout. For me, I need to physically move, move, move because in that movement, I am releasing emotion. I am actually moving physically the sensation that is in my body. Like Nicole said, if I'm in that moment and I know I'm about to lose it and I need to go for a walk or go for a run before I scream at someone who I know doesn't deserve it, then it's not going to serve me to go for a walk or go for a run, just ruminating in my mind all the things that I'm angry about. I'm going to go and do my best to be aware of the fact that, yeah, all of that is there. I'm accepting it. I'm surrendering to the fact that I'm pissed off, but I'm not going to sit there and remind myself over and over and over how pissed off I am. I know that I'm pissed off, so I'm one, proud of myself for being aware of it. Two, I'm now even more proud of myself for creating a memory for me and an experience where I've chose to be responsible and healthy in how I'm coping with that. I'm doing something different that actually allows me to become my highest self, not a version of me in the past that I've wanted to change. I get to respond different now. And I work myself physically through that. But while I'm physically doing it, I'm intentional and I'm mindful in the moment. What you're really beautifully describing, Jenna, is learning how to be with our body. Our mind is there. The stories are there. What happened is there. You probably are going to return to the aftermath of what happened to some extent, of course. However, what we're doing in those moments, and it might be each moment by moment, right? The thoughts come and we refocus our attention to be with our body. And what we're doing is we're actually now the consciousness that is us, the being that's indefinable or undefinable that is us, is now with our body, not in the balloon of our mind, not exacerbating the situation, not creating other now emotions and sensations in our body. We're objectively being with our body. And then we could be in support of our body in the way that our body needs in that moment. And then to speak to your beautiful point, it might take curiosity and experimentation. I had no idea. Once I began to step off my spaceship for moments here and there, I couldn't even begin to understand or know, even though I was a clinically trained psychologist who should teach people how to deal with their emotions, I didn't know how to deal with my own. And it took experimenting. It took practicing. It took noticing and trying different choices and then dropping back in and seeing how I felt. It took exploring. And again, like you're beautifully wording it, that's a new memory. We're giving ourselves a new embodied experience. So for all those of us, all of us really probably who are listening, who we all have coping skills, we all have mechanisms, we all have things that we do when we're feeling overwhelmed or when we're feeling upset. Chances are we've probably accumulated some consequences from the things that don't necessarily serve that highest self. And in each moment, we're relaying neurobiology from our nervous system actually shifting to those hormones I was talking about when we began this, right? The dopamine, the serotonin, we're actually changing our body in that moment and laying down a whole neuro network now that we can revisit. So for those of us who felt overwhelmed at one time by probably all of our emotions, we're now giving ourselves, we're being our own proof. We're giving ourselves a new lived experience of, yeah, they might 
feel overwhelming. They might feel really scary and like, I don't know how to cope. However, every time you make that choice to cope in a new way, now you're teaching yourself that, yeah, things might feel big, though you can walk through them in a way that in childhood you couldn't. Be your own proof. That is my favorite mental tagline, whatever you call it, that I speak to myself all of the time. And it it is what it motivates me. It's what allows me to stay consistent because we all can learn from another, right? But when we really discover something on our own, it changes us. We put so much focus on the cognitive aspects of our lives or on our brain and our mental wellness. And we very often and very easily forget that it's connected to our bodies. You don't have mental wellness without physical wellness. You can't have physical wellness without mental wellness. They are quite literally connected. So being your own proof really is just you actually taking an action, doing the work, seeing how it pans out for you. And in the moments that you make a choice that is aligned with the choice that your body needs, or you ask yourself, hey, body, what do you need right now? Maybe my body needs to take a nap, or maybe it needs a bubble bath, or maybe it needs to go for a run. When I'm willing to ask it, maybe I get the answer wrong a couple of times, but I still do the action. I still try. Eventually, the action you take will align to what your body needed. Your body is very, very wise. It holds so much wisdom. And when we allow our minds to actually connect to the wisdom in our body, to start to ask ourselves and our body questions and try on actually taking a chance and taking action on the responses that come up, we literally live our way into the answers. We get to discover what works for ourselves. If everything that I'm saying or Nicole's saying that we've shared here seems like a lot of work, it is. There's no sugarcoating that. There's no avoiding it. There's no denying it. It's likely we're in the position we're in or feeling stuck when we have sugarcoated that our whole life or we've avoided doing the work our whole life because reality is the work is new. It's challenging. Is it painful? Yes, because for a lot of people, there's emotion and pain and packed down feeling that has been there for decades that in order to release, we have to first feel. We do have to feel it in our bodies. We do have to recognize it. So we have to first be self-aware. That's step one. From that self-awareness is step two, self-expression, the actual emotional expression outward, whether that be cold therapy, journaling, creating art, running, screaming into a pillow, something that actually moves the sensations outward. And then your third is self-care. There needs to be a lot of self-care consistently, a lot of compassion, a lot of practiced self-love eating healthy whole foods, drinking and getting enough adequate hydration, sleeping enough, being out in the sunlight, getting physical movement, being loving and kind to ourselves. That self-care practice really sandwiches anything ever that you'll hear us talk about and is the daily consistent practice. If you want one takeaway, it's that each day your self-care 
your intentional present self-care, giving yourself loving kindness, even in the smallest of actions, that every day is what's going to allow you to actually experience being able to witness an emotion, to name an emotion, or to responsibly cope and outwardly express that emotion. So speaking of self-compassion, we both acknowledge and also thank all of you for listening and those of you who are watching on our YouTube channel as it's likely time you've taken for yourself right now, compassionate and loving time for yourself to even be here and to listen, to lean in, to get curious and to share this space with us. So we acknowledge you and celebrate you. We also thank you tremendously. We continue to do this podcast ad-free so that you just have a better, more consistent uh, viewing and listening experience. So saying that, we do greatly appreciate your feedback, your comments, your reviews, your sharing of the podcast. Uh, it really is how the word gets out and how we share it with one another since we don't really promote it in any other way. So whatever came up for you in this episode, we'd love to hear in the comments below. This episode really came from an organic conversation of your comments from the last few episodes. So we'd love to keep that conversation going and are always looking for your requests and really what you're experiencing in your day-to-day -day life so that we can curate our episodes to really be supportive and of value to you on your own journeys. We love you and we thank you and look forward to being with you again next week.